That's what we're going to be talking about this morning, is what happens when the God of heaven intersects the culture. And we're going to be talking about the intersection between Christ and culture this morning. And there are many events in our culture that are unfolding uh, and have unfolded. For example, I just mentioned, even when I was praying earlier about the uh, hurricane, Hurricane Sandy, that, that caused such devastation on the east coast of our country. And the question is, when that something like that happens in our culture, how should we as Christians respond to that? Well, there's a number of ways we can respond. We can pray. We can give to the relief efforts. We can go and serve. Uh, and just as a side note, I would encourage you to do that. And if you'd like to give and help to the relief effort, uh, you can go to the Southern Baptist Convention's website, sbc.net, and click on Disaster Relief. And you can donate, and it'll tell you how to donate money to the disaster relief effort. And all your money, 100%, goes toward relief. And they've been asked by FEMA to provide uh, 500,000 meals a day up in the Northeast. And so, as Baptists, we have cooperated with other churches, associations, and we're sending help to that area. And we, as Christians, we can participate in that. We can stand beside those who are not Christians who even hold to different faiths, and we can seek to meet the basic needs of people who are in trouble. There's another event unfolding, and it'll reach its climax on Tuesday. And uh, we are going to be voting on who will be our next leaders in our city and our government. And voting is a privilege. And so as a Christian, how should we participate? Should we participate? Well, I think we should. I think we should participate in that. And that's another aspect of our culture that we can be a part of and give uh, input into. Because we believe that those who will hold these offices in our city, in our state, in our nation, uh, they will have a say and they will have influence in the human flourishing of people in our city and in our country and even those around the world. And so we want to take seriously that opportunity to speak into that. Now, there are many other aspects of our culture that, as followers of Jesus, we can embrace, we can participate in, we can seek to even improve upon. I'm thinking of uh, music and the arts. I'm thinking of education, uh, justice, service, uh, business, law, all these different aspects of our culture. Uh, it's not inconsistent to be a Christian and be involved in these aspects of our culture. And you can think about these different avenues as you know, two roads that come together and merge. Similar to how you know, Kingsway and Central Avenue, they come together and they merge just down past the fire station and become one road. You know, there's nothing inconsistent with being a Christian and voting. Or being a Christian and helping those in need that are you know, impacted by a natural disaster. Or being a Christian and being involved in the education system, or being a Christian and being a lawyer, or a businessman, or a doctor. There's nothing inconsistent with that. Yet there is a certain direction that we want to take those things if we do follow Christ. There's nothing really inconsistent in being involved with those things. And you can think of them as roads that come together and merge into one direction. And as followers, in Christ, as followers of Christ, we can endorse those parts of our culture. But there are other parts of our culture that we come in contact with. And it's not like a merger, but it's more of an intersection. You know, when you come to an intersection and you're forced to choose to go one direction or another, you can't choose all the paths at once. 
You must go one direction or the other. It's like Robert Frost said many years ago that two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry, sorry, I could not have traveled both. You can't, you can't go both directions. You either have to go one or the other. And so there are certain intersections between Christ and culture uh, where our faith will lead us to choose one and lead us to refuse the other. And the passage of Scripture we're going to look at this morning is one that seeks to motivate Christians who are facing these intersections of life to stay strong in the faith and to follow Christ in the midst of these intersections, to go the way of Christ, to follow Jesus. And the passage is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. And so if you have a Bible, turn with me to Hebrews 11. And if you do not have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you that you can use. And we're going to be reading verses 23 through 28. And this is what the Word of the Lord says. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. This is the word of the Lord. In this brief reflection of the life of Moses, the writer of Hebrews highlights several instances where Moses and, the, and his family, they, they encountered this intersection between God and culture. And they were forced to make a decision. Which way would they go? Would they follow God or would they not? And the first intersection occurs when Moses was born. As you may know, uh, the Hebrew people were in Egypt and they were growing, they were multiplying, which is actually what God told His people to do back in Genesis. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And this is exactly what they were doing in Egypt. And they were growing. And then we read in Exodus chapter 1, verses 22, and then going into chapter 2, that the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, out of fear, gives an order to kill off any of the Hebrew children that are born that are male. Okay, so the, the Pharaoh is trying to implement some population control. And Moses' family, they're really forced with a severe intersection. You know, what, what should they do? I mean, should they, should they obey their governing authorities and deliver their baby over to be killed? Or, or what, what should they do? Well, they choose to disobey their the government leadership and they decided to hide Moses until they could not hide him any longer and then they implemented a plan to preserve his life the writer of Hebrews says in verse 23 that by faith Moses when he was born was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict now 
There are countries in the world that still implement this type of population control and force you to have a limited number of children and could even force you to have abortions and kill off your children. But that's, that's not true of our country. Although within our country there is a big debate about life and when life begins and how we should treat life. And as Christians, this is an intersection for us because as Christians we must value life. We must value children. We must see children as a gift from the Lord. And we can't believe or hold to or go along with the idea that life doesn't begin until it reaches a certain size or it's or until it reaches a certain location, such as outside the womb, all of a sudden it becomes life. You know, as Christians, we cannot support that idea. And so there are certain instances of our culture where we, we intersect them and we have to say, you know, I, I, can't, I can't go along with that. I have to turn a different direction because I think this is what God would have us hold to. And this is exactly what Moses' parents did when they preserved his life even though it meant disobeying their government. You know, they had a faith. They had faith that refused to be afraid of their government. And as Christians, you know, we must live out our lives, not in fear of our government, but we must live out our lives trusting God. And when we approach an intersection... We must all, you know, always side with God and God's word and not live in fear of the powers that be in our country or around the world. So this is the first major intersection the writer of Hebrews brings us to. The second one occurs when Moses grows up and realizes that he is not an Egyptian, but that he is a Hebrew. You know, for years, Moses saw himself as an Egyptian, I mean, he was raised in Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh's daughter was his, his mother. And he enjoyed all the perks of being in the palace, the education, the access to uh, food and, and recreation and whatnot. He enjoyed all of those things that, that are involved with being the son of Pharaoh's daughter. However, one day Moses started putting it all together. And he realized that I'm not an Egyptian but rather I'm a Hebrew. And then he was forced to make a decision. Again, it was one of those intersections of life. And he was forced to make a decision. Will he identify with the family of Pharaoh or will he identify with the people of God? That's the question. And this was the intersection of of Moses' life and he didn't have an option. He didn't have the option to do both. He couldn't Identify with Pharaoh and identify with God. It just was at the point where there was no merging. This was clearly an intersection. Now, I'd imagine that many of you probably watched a few uh, football games this weekend. I believe Georgia played Ole Miss, right? Um, Clemson played Duke. And just just imagine for a moment. Let's say you're you're the cult, the coach of the Georgia Bulldogs. You're going into game time. And one of your defensive players comes up to you and says, Coach, you know, I, I, really, I really enjoy playing for the George Bulldogs. Um, I love playing defense for the team. But here's what I want to do. I, I've really learned to like a lot about what Ole Miss stands for and what they're doing. And so here's what I want to do. 
Uh, when, when Ole Miss has the ball, I'm going to play defense for the Bulldogs. But then when we have the ball, Georgia has the ball, I want to switch over and play defense for Ole Miss. Is that okay? <laughs> if you're a coach, you think, uh, you're off the team. <laughs> you're done. Because you cannot do that. You can't play both sides. And it, I remember uh, tailgating up in Winston-Salem one Saturday. And we were at a Wake, Wake Forest Stadium, Wake Forest University, and Clemson was playing Wake Forest. And, you know, Clemson's my alma mater. And so I'm in this position, where, you know, am I going to cheer for Clemson or am I going to cheer for Wake Forest? And I'm grilling, grilling out for a lot of Wake Forest fans. I'm out in the park line, I'm grilling. Well, here's what I did. I had a Clemson shirt on, but then I put a Wake Forest shirt on top of that. And so, you know, I'm grilling, we're having a good time, and then it's game time. And so we put everything away, and then I have to show my true colors. You know, I take off the Wake Forest shirt, and there's my Clemson shirt. Because, you know, when it comes down to game time, you have to choose. You have to say, yes, I like Wake Forest. I like Clemson. But, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm pulling for Clemson to beat Wake Forest. And thankfully we did this year. So that's always, that's always good. But, you know, you see what I'm saying. You cannot, you can't do both. You can't simultaneously pull for both teams, so to speak, or align yourself with these two opposing positions. And to a greater degree, that's what Moses was faced with. You know, will he align himself with Pharaoh's family or will he align himself with God's people and what God's doing? He had to choose who he would identify with. Now, how about you? Who are you going to identify with? You know, is there a relationship or a partnership or a business that, that you're involved in that is so set against God and His ways that you're in that intersection position? You're in that place where you say, I don't know how I can continue going down this road and call myself a Christian. Maybe it's a relationship or a dating relationship. Maybe it's a business or a business deal or something in your practice. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, you know, am I wearing two jerseys? Am I living a double life? Am I trying to call myself a Christian and yet on the other hand participate in a position that is, is against God and not reflective of the kingdom of God? You know, the writer of Hebrews goes on to say that Moses, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So Moses, he chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Because, you know, in Pharaoh's house, he could have everything. Everything he wanted or his flesh wanted. Anything he wanted to experience, he could experience there. But he said he chose to align himself with God and therefore, he was mistreated with them, but he, he counted that as better than enjoying the, the pleasures of Pharaoh's house. It says he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking to the reward. Now, when Moses identified with God and his people, he was greatly affected. He was affected socially. You know, he pulled out of a family that knew him well. I mean, think of all the relationships that he left behind to identify with God and His people. 
He suffered economically. He pulled out of the Pharaoh's house, the richest house in all of Egypt, and identified himself with the lowest class of people in Egypt, the Hebrew slaves. So when he left and identified himself with God and his people, it did affect him greatly in many ways. And you know, as followers of Christ, when we choose to identify ourselves with Jesus, and we come to those intersections of life, and we choose God's way, we will be affected. When we show our true colors that we follow Jesus, we will be affected at times. It may mean that you're affected socially. You know, maybe you are in a dating relationship and you, know, you tell this person that you know, I want this relationship to honor God uh, and I want to do what God wants us to do in this relationship. Well, if you, if you make that known, this other person may reject you. I mean, you may suffer socially or even friendships that just may not affirm the direction you're going in following Christ. And so you may be affected, so, affected socially. And the question is, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to put following Christ even above our relationships? If you follow Christ, that may mean that you're affected economically. You know, I remember about 10 years ago, I'm not a big, you know, investor by no means, but uh, I was told that, you know, it would probably be a good idea to start investing, you know, for your retirement and different things. And so... Uh, there was a stock that I invested in about 10 years ago or 12 years ago, and it was an internet stock. And then later, this internet stock merged with a, uh, like a multimedia stock, television and cable, and all these different businesses were under this one umbrella. And I didn't have a lot of money in there, but I, you know, for me, it was a lot. And so I was invested in this company. And then I learned that this company uh, was benefiting and producing pornography. And so what do you do? You know, as a minute shareholder, I mean, there was no way I'm going to transform the business. And so what do you do? Well, you got two choices. You can either keep your money in there and just try to benefit from the company, or you pull your money out. What if you have to pull your money out at a great loss? Well, that's what I had to do. I said, I just cannot in good conscience support this company knowing what I know, knowing that they stand in opposition to what God is doing and what God wants for people. I just, I just can't support it. And so I had to pull my money out even though I lost a good bit of my investment. And so sometimes following Christ means that you're going to suffer economically. And that's something that you all need to think about as well. You need to pay attention to what you're investing in, not only with your money, but with your time. And say, you know, am I investing in something that is actually helping to promote God and His ways and His kingdom? Or are these things standing in direct opposition to what He's all about? You know, can you say with Moses that you see the reproach of Christ as greater wealth than the treasures of the world? Can you say that following Christ is more valuable to me than this relationship or this investment? That's exactly where Moses was at this intersection. He had to make a choice. There was no merging. He had to make a choice. One way 
or the other. Now the third intersection goes along with the one I just mentioned. And this intersection reveals who you will serve. You know, will, will Moses, will he serve and submit to and, and align himself with the king of Egypt or will he align himself with the king of kings and the Lord of lords? That's the question. The writer of Hebrews says in verse 27, By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. See, Moses was not afraid of rebelling against the king of Egypt because he finally caught a glimpse of what it looks like to follow God. And so he aligned himself with God and what he's doing, and therefore he had no reason to fear this man. You know, this past weekend, uh, C and I were in Atlanta, and I'm not very familiar with Atlanta. I mean, I've been there a few times, but I don't know the streets very well. And so we were trying to find uh, the place that we would, we would be staying, and so I just plugged the address into my GPS. Now, some of you may not know what that is, but basically it's a device that you can, you can put in your destination. This is where I want to end up, and it will plan out a route for you and, and tell you how to get there. So not only will it plan it out, it will actually talk to you, which is kind of convenient. And so we're driving through Atlanta, and as we come up to an intersection, it'll say, you know, take a right on Peach Street. And then we drive a little, a little further, and we get to another intersection, and it'll say, you know, take a left on Carnegie Way. You know, so it helps me to, to guide myself through the city. And what I realize is that, you know, driving through Atlanta is a lot like, you know, life itself. Rarely is there just a straight shot. You know, there's a lot of twists, a lot of turns, a lot of one-way streets that you got to work around. But anyway, we plugged in our uh, destination. It was telling me how to get there, and finally we arrived at where we needed to be. And so, I was thinking about just how Moses felt in these different scenarios. You know, how do you, how do you know which way to go when you face these intersections? How, how do you know which route to take, which road to go down, how do you know which road is most aligned with God and what He wants? How do you know that? How did Moses know that? How did Moses make those tough choices? Well, it all came down to who is the king? Who is your king? Who is it that you're going to submit to and serve? It all came down to who is the king. And the only way that you will be willing and able to make those difficult turns in life is if you have seen Jesus with the eyes of faith. If you've placed your faith in Christ and you say, that's the destination I'm going to, that's the only way you're going to be able to navigate all the twists and all the turns that life is going to throw at you. You'll notice that the writer of Hebrews tells us that Moses made these decisions. He took all these different turns, these turns in life based on faith. His faith in God. That's how he navigated his way through. And so the question that we have to ask is, you know, who are you allowing to guide you? Is God, is God the one guiding you? Or is it your reputation? You're trying to keep that in a certain place, and so you're willing to 
take these different turns to promote yourself, or maybe it's your investments, you know, keeping them in a certain place so you're unwilling to, to go a different direction, or your friends, or maybe it's your past. You know, what, what are we allowing to guide us? Is it, is it God? And this brings us to our final intersection that the writer of Hebrews gives us in the life of Moses. And it's really an intersection of life and death. And the full account of what the writer of Hebrews is going to refer to as Passover is, is accounted for in Exodus chapter 12. And the Passover, if I could summarize it, is it goes something like this. The last plague that God was going to pour out on Egypt as an act of judgment was that He was going to kill their firstborn son. And so the only way that you would be able to, through, through this judgment, the only way that you'd be able to pass through this judgment and not experience death, but rather experience life, is if your parents, your father, went out, killed a lamb, and put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. And then as the, 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 death, the death angel came through Egypt, if he saw the blood on the doorpost, he would pass over the house and your family would experience life and not experience death. Now I want you to just imagine for a moment, if you were a Hebrew family in Egypt, okay? And let's just say you're the father. And uh, actually, let's say you're the oldest son. You're the oldest son in this Hebrew family. And so you go and you talk to your dad and you say, Dad, um, I heard about this idea of killing a lamb and putting the blood over the doorpost. Are we going to do that? And he said, you know, son, I don't think we're going to do that because, you know, I don't know. It just sounds, you know, sounds a little out there. Um, I don't really understand how having blood on the doorpost is really going to save your life. And so... You know, God knows that I'm a child of Abraham. You know, we're children of Abraham. We are in favor of what God's doing. We want to leave Egypt. And, you know, I've been reading a lot of scientific journals lately in Egypt. And, I, you know, the whole idea of angels, I'm not real sure about that. I've really never seen one. And so I'm not sure if I can buy... I mean, I don't think God literally wants me to put blood on the doorpost and somehow that's going to save your life, son. I think... God knows my intentions, and as long as, you know, He knows my heart, then I, He's not going to kill my firstborn son. Now, what would you say to your dad? <laughs> I'd say, Dad, you know, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, God, God said he, he was going to do all these other things in Egypt, and He did them just like He said He was, was going to do, and I really think we should probably kill a lamb and put some blood over that doorpost. Because even though I don't fully understand it, if God said it and that's what He's going to do, I think He's going to do that. And so, what do you say we go outside and find one of those lambs and kill it and let's put some blood over the doorpost, right? Well, the writer of Hebrews tells us that Moses, by faith, he kept the Passover and he sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. And so we see that Moses and the people of God avoided death in their family because they were covered by the blood of the Lamb. And in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verse 13, this is what God says. He tells his people that the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, 
And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. You know, God says the blood will be a sign for you. This Passover lamb, the blood on the doorposts, it was meant to be a sign for them, and it was a sign that pointed to the greater Passover lamb in God's Son, Jesus Christ. That one day, God was going to send His own Son, the Lamb of God, to take away the sin of the world. And just as Moses and the people of God, as they stood before God in judgment, as He came through Egypt, if they put the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost, God passed them over and they experienced life. And just so, just like what they experienced, we experience as well. If we are in Christ, if we are covered by the Lamb of God, then when we stand before God in judgment, He will pass us over. And we will inherit life with Him. And not only do we receive life when we accept Jesus Christ by faith and we are covered by His blood, but it is only through Jesus Christ that we can navigate life in a way that glorifies God and honors Him for who He is. When we place our faith in Christ, we also receive the Holy Spirit. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that He guides us, He convicts us, He changes us to be more like Jesus. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you're also placed in a community of faith. You know, the church, the body of Christ. And we're placed in the community of faith because we're not meant to be alone. We're meant to have people around us helping us to navigate life. As we discern God's Word together. And it's through our faith in Jesus Christ, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's through reading God's Word and being, being in community with His people that we can discern what we should accept and what we should refuse. You know, we all, we all face intersections in life. And you may be facing one right now. Maybe there's one that God brought to your mind and says, you know, this is a, there's no merging here. You have to make a choice. Either you're going to go the direction I want to take you, or you're going to go in a direction that stands in opposition to me. But there is a choice that needs to be made and has to be made. Now, this is an opportunity for you to trust the Lord. Now, this is an opportunity for you to show your true colors. And this is an opportunity to demonstrate who you truly serve. Let's pray together. Lord, thank You for the blood of Jesus Christ that covers us and cleanses us from all our sin. Lord, we don't understand how all that works, but we know that that's what You've said and that's what You will do. That we can have confidence as we stand before You that we are pronounced clean, forgiven, justified because of the blood of Christ. Lord, help us in the intersections that we face in our lives, maybe even the intersection we're facing today. Lord, help us to have the faith to choose the road that you want us to go down. And help us to have the faith to refuse those things and those paths that are not honoring to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.